Let's talk social media content creation strategy. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, ready to drop some more actionable, practical advice that you can use to grow your voiceover business, this time on the subject of content creation. I have brought in somebody who is crushing it in this space, somebody who has gone viral on multiple platforms because of his ability to create incredible content and somebody whose content is actually resulting in booked voiceover work. And so you're going to have a lot to learn from this episode, and I know that you are going to enjoy it. Just before we get there, are you enjoying the Everyday Vopreneur podcast? Would you do me one quick favor? Would you consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening? It will help other people to be able to find the show, listen to the show, and learn from the show. All right, let's talk social media content. Social media can be an insanely powerful tool that comes with free access to massive audiences. And if you play the game right, you're going to get yourself in front of a lot of people who can become potential voiceover leads and buyers. And... You don't need to go viral on every post to make that happen. My guest today has figured out social media in a big way. He's got thousands of followers on LinkedIn, over 100,000 followers on TikTok. He's a classically trained British actor and voice artist whose clients include Warner Brothers, BMW, and Microsoft. Welcome to the show, Christopher Tester. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. A pleasure to be here. I should confirm, like, are we are we still, like, 100,000 followers on TikTok, or have you taken that to, like, even high, greater, higher numbers since. It, it, it's it's 120. Oh, 120. See, I, gotta, I don't want to knock you of any. So that's amazing though, <laughs> right? Like that's a that's a good size number to build on a social media platform to have access to that sort of audience on a, on a regular day. But before we get into some of the social media stuff, what I really want to know is because I understand that you've recently uncovered a secret to success and I was hoping that you would share it with us, how you built a, a business that allows you to make half a million dollars just doing nice little quick short bursts of work because that sounds really good to me. So what's the story there? Yeah, uh, yeah it's this whole revelation about uh, the less you do, the more you get. Uh, and I really wish that I'd taken that module in the playbook before I, you know, right at the end, kind of like a spoiler, actually, kids, it's really, really easy. Uh, so this is uh, relating to a article in the British press that was published this week at the start of this week um, on the Daily Express with that headline as well, which was hilarious. Uh, which was very much leaning into voiceover as a kind of uh, a side hustle. And that's what they kind of have decided to go with the story 
in. I thought they kind of like found me on the internet and just randomly asked me about how it was all going and how I managed to work with all of these kind of clients. And so as a typical actor, I had no hesitancy in telling them my life story. Uh, that didn't take much persuasion. Um, uh, uh, but then they've kind of like taken it on that angle of like, all I needed to do was set up a few online profiles and the money just kind of cascaded in. Which I think, as we obviously know, uh, maybe the British sarcasm m might not be kind of landing with certain <laughs> members of your audience, in which case I apologize because I'm full Are of you it. trying to imply that the media may have stretched the context within which the statements you gave were intended? I think possibly the narrative of like, I worked for far too long <laughs> doing lots of very, very boring, unsexy stuff, like sending lots of cold emails actually resulted in where where my business is uh, today. Uh, obviously, it's just you sign up to the right platforms and the money the money just comes your way very, very easily. Flows, yeah. and you just need a USB mic and, you know, I don't know, some blue tack and you're fine. You're great. You're golden. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of obviously appealed to my vanity. It's obviously something that I can selectively share and then lambast on social media uh, as a result, um, because I did turn that into a LinkedIn post. Of course I did. Yep. Um, but, but from an angle of like, this is very much a narrative that's painted out there and that all you need to do is get one thing right or do this one thing and solution and then everything will fall into line as opposed to you just need to work. You need to work smart, but you need to work really hard for a very long period of time. It's the whole cliche about a, an overnight success. Not that I ever dare to call myself a success even, um, but, you know, of an overnight success taking, in my case, full time since 2017. So six years. I, I, I had to laugh when I saw the article pop up in my LinkedIn feed because knowing you and knowing how hard you actually work, the idea that, you know, you made a half a million just, you know, short little bit bits of work here and there. I was like, oh, some, something yeah. doesn't jive here. Something, and, and then, of course, the idea of you running a side hustle. I'm like, OK, wait a minute. For, for somebody who runs a side hustle, I don't think yeah. you fully understand this whole side hustle. thing. I think you're working way too hard for a side hustle, Chris. My core business as a cat groomer yeah, is something that I don't really post about quite so much, um, which is obviously my main hustle. And I mean, what that brings in is essentially, well, lots of cat fur on my keyboard right now, and that's about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's well, good no, to have, because uh, the cats more... make for good social media content as well, right? Well, it's true. It's one of my content pillars. I'm doing inverted commas kind of fingers as well. A content pillar is like, yeah, my cat, essentially, who's asleep at the moment right now. So she's very on brand in that respect. Yes. So let's talk about the content game, because you are doing some amazing things on LinkedIn and some amazing things on TikTok. Are those two platforms your priority platforms or are you using other platforms as well? I am active, quote unquote, on other platforms, but I, I think I'll be very open in saying that, uh, I mean, if you look on all of my different social media platforms, you will see my journey. Um, so I, you know, started out on Twitter, I think, right, uh, to, to begin with, and then kind of gravitated to Instagram for a long period of time. And I tried everything on those platforms, in all honesty, um, from kind of like directly reaching out to people, creating lists of people so that I could engage and all of that kind of thing. 
But in all honesty, there wasn't a lot of traction uh, for a whole variety of different reasons. And certainly on Instagram, which is such still a popular uh, social media platform, I, albeit one that seems to be having a bit of an identity crisis, um, it, 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 it's kind of, the, for whatever reason, uh, it, it wasn't resulting in, in very much. Uh, it was resulting in right. some things, and I would say it's always valid and important. But on Instagram, for example, I'm, I'm very aware that my audience, the people who follow me, are other voiceover actors. Yep. And because my content isn't really going beyond them for whatever reason, it's not reaching a much wider audience. It's only them that kind of see it. A lot of the content that I created for voiceover actors was very, very popular. But when I shifted it to other kind of stuff, it's kind of diminished. And so therefore, in terms of the algorithm, it's not really going anywhere or doing anything. Now, what that means is that it's resulted in quite a lot of referrals, I think, because people go onto Instagram and they do see me as other voiceover actors. And so therefore, I become a slightly all pervading presence to them so much to the fact that they're probably quite sick of me and my time lapses of recording, what have you and all of that kind of thing. But in terms of getting, I don't know, inbound opportunities in terms of reaching new audiences and that kind of thing. Yeah. Hardly, hardly, I can count on one hand in five years on the platform, kind of working consistently there, the number of clients that I directly, that dropped into my DMs, slid into the DMs like some kind of slimy snail with a invoice uh, and, and actually said, hey, yeah, we've got this amazing explainer video that you we want you to be the voice of. So whereas... Yeah, LinkedIn and TikTok, uh, although my followings are very different in terms of sizes, obviously, um, those inbound opportunities seem to be much more regular uh, and consistent. And I feel as if I've got a system now that I can kind of crank a bit like you can systematically go through email marketing campaigns. It's something that I feel as if there's not any kind of smoke and mirrors or there's less smoke and mirrors. I don't need to sacrifice something to beholden the algorithm so much. Right. Uh, and those opportunities are coming my way as a result. Was it strictly that the results that you were seeing, is that what caused you to settle on LinkedIn and TikTok? Or is it the type of content opportunities that it created for you? The, the audiences yeah. that you could potentially reach, what made you choose those two platforms over everything else then? The big question is, um, where are your audience, your target audience, yep. hanging out, but caveat or asterisk or whatever, with a mindset to buy? Yeah. And I think this is the big thing. And whereas on Instagram, I think there are lots of people who mindlessly scroll Insta Instagram and I'm sure a lot of my clients have Instagram accounts, but they're normally kind of like personal accounts and they've never seen any of my kind of content. Whereas if people are on LinkedIn, those people who are actively on LinkedIn, it's very much a business social media platform. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, for those people who've you know done a lot of email marketing, for example, it's the first port of call in terms of your lead generation, along with Google, is kind of cross-referencing where people's positions are and who's the right person that you can talk to, that kind of yep. thing. But people are on the platform to do business and to make business relationships. Yes, they're social relationships as well, but there's that gray area there. So that was the reason why I kind of wanted to kind of double down there. And, and essentially, and this is the difference between somewhere like uh, LinkedIn and somewhere like Instagram, is that I was on there for a period of time, and within a short period of time, I started seeing results. Mm -hmm. And by starting to see results, that obviously emboldens you to continue yep. doing and continue to experiment and improve. Uh, with TikTok, I mean, that's kind of like the Wild West because it's so completely different, and we all know that it's incredibly viral. Yep. Um, and that's both the blessing and the curse of the 
platform. But how I see it is that that potential for virality um, means that you, as a creator, or as a you know, as a uh, as a performer, as a business, uh, can potentially amass an audience very, very quickly, as I have done, um, and that gives you leverage. Um, so it gives you leverage for when I'm talking to you, a social media company, and they realize that I've got a substantial following on TikTok. I'm not going to lie. They they pay more attention as a result. And also the yep. tools that um, the platform gives you, which is that in terms of being able to put together short, uh, short form video very, very quickly and effectively, TikTok allows you to do that uh, very, very yeah. quickly. Uh, and so what I do is quite often I'll take a bit of content from TikTok and I'll bring it over to LinkedIn. Also, I'll use that as a kind of like a testing bed and then I'll bring it over uh, and then it seems to have a kind of it, it's an it's another one of those dreaded content pillars because I can say I'm, I'm not just active here. I'm not just doing voiceover work. I'm also got this whole thing going on on TikTok. Let me show it to you. Yeah. And that and that, again, seems to have some kind of positive effect on my reputation. I like the distinction that you made, though. And I mean, obviously, one thing we want to do is determine where our buyers are. But it's also that that next step of determining where our buyers are, who are more likely to do buying. And so it's it's a great distinction that, yeah, Instagram can be a very tends to be a, a little bit more of a passive platform than, say, something like a, a LinkedIn. Now, you, you talked about building your audience on TikTok in a relatively short amount of time. And I, I want to address that because I, I don't want people to get confused. Like, well, if I just go on TikTok and post a couple of videos, you know, I'll, I'll have a viral audience and I'll, I'll be good to go. So talk to us a little bit about how long it took you to, to build that audience and how consistently were you posting in order to make that happen? Well, it's obviously, Mark, it's just short bursts. Yeah, That's just short bursts. Yeah. We've, Half we've, a million. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 there you are. And it's fine. Uh, no. So uh, with TikTok, I started posting consistently about a year ago. Okay. And I would post maybe three times a week. And in all honesty, I was trying a whole variety of different kind of things. So do I do I post voiceover work? Do I post voiceover related content? Do I po uh, post edutainment? Whatever the hell that means. You know, so uh, and what I found was in those initial first kind of six months, I was attracting an audience of voiceover actors, which isn't, which is nice, but they're not my Not clients. necessarily the people that yeah. are going to hire you consistently. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I need to, I need to shift here because this isn't useful to me. It's the whole same reason why like for a year I, I did YouTube mm -hmm. and some of my YouTube videos are really useful uh, for my clients because I do kind of like how to quote for a voiceover artist or how to direct a voiceover artist. So yep. educational stuff there. But I can't be com posting consistently on that because it's the same thing, essentially. Yep. Um, otherwise, you're overcomplicating things. So then I decided to use TikTok as a tool for my own accountability, essentially, which was, and this is the very actorly Chris coming to the fore, which is like, for me, my classical training background is that I should be, you know, I should be working with different texts and more demanding texts and emotionally preparing and physically warming up every day. I don't do that. I just sit down and I try and make my business work in any way I possibly can. Yep. So I thought, OK, to make myself a better actor and to hold myself accountable for that, I would take speeches from theatre, from film, poems I liked, bits of narrative that I liked and all of that kind of stuff. And I would film myself uh, doing that. And it was a way of essentially kind of going, this is me using my voice in a performance way, hopefully engendering 
my capacity as a storyteller sure. and with emotion yep. and all of the things that we're supposed to be hired for as a voice actor. Yep. But I'm not taking it through the prism of I'm a voiceover artist and let me show you how I do this commercial thing or whatever. And there are people that are very successful with that and doing that on TikTok. So I did that. And within two or three months, I started to get a lot uh, of views on certain videos. And that's partly because I was branching out and doing things like anime speeches. So recontextualizing anime speeches and, and trying to do them in a different way, putting the mo my own stamp on it. Or Warhammer, for example, as well, is another kind of like a big thing. And because those audiences already exist on the platform, uh, not necessarily a voiceover client audience, but, you know, there are big communities there. That's where I started to get the odd one go viral. So whereas for the first six months I was on TikTok, maybe I get a few hundred views or a couple of thousand views and be like, woohoo, yep. this is amazing. Yep. And then I got one that was 1.5 million and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's different. And so when something works, you do more of it. But I was also kind of consciously like, I don't want to be just like, he's the guy who does the anime speeches, but in a kind of slightly earnest, uh, you know, British classical acting kind of way. I need to add some strings to that kind of like bow. So I kind of like diversify between different kind of like genres. And I found that, you know, I leaned into the anime audience, to the gaming audience, you know, doing speeches from games to the kind of like the kind of poetry talk yep. type of thing as well. And in terms of results, in terms of what that actually gives me on the platform, in terms of business opportunities, is that kind of more independent creators and people that I wouldn't even know existed out there. Right. Um, people that I would never kind of go to a VA and say, you need to search for th this type of person, because I don't know what that type of person calls themselves. You know, independent creators, all of that kind of thing. Right. They've started to contact me and go, hey, uh, we've got this kind of indie project or whatever. We'd love to have you involved. Can we have a discussion? And so that's the kind of real kind of like leverage in terms of that journey on TikTok. Social media can feel like a really intimidating, daunting, overwhelming, and, and challenging space. But on the flip side of that, it is a free platform that reaches a global audience. And so if you have a valuable voiceover service that you want to offer, building a presence for yourself on social media is a really smart marketing play. And if you're just not quite sure how to do it, that is something that I can help you with, with the voiceover marketing playbook. Social media is a big part of playbook. And in fact, all of the social media modules are being updated for 2023 with playbook 3.0. Playbook 3.0 is your easy to follow step-by-step -step marketing course that is gonna teach you how to find your own leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you wanna be. And it is going to be available April 11th through the 20th, 2023. I have gone through and redone the entire course from top to bottom in order to provide you with the most up-to-date information. And that is what Playbook 3.0 is. So again, it's gonna be available April 11th through the 20th, and you'll be able to get all the details at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. Three days a week consistently for a year, so I want people to pay attention to that. But also, yep. 
being willing to experiment a little bit with the content with, you know, trying stuff in the beginning, not liking it, trying something new, recognizing that, hey, you don't have to go viral out of the gate. Every video out of the gate doesn't need to be the perfect video. It's okay to to experiment and find your voice. Now, you've talked a little bit already about, you know, your pillars of, of, of content. So obviously this reading the monologue, whether it's, you know, Shakespeare or anime or whatever, that has become one of your pillars. I have to tell you, when I saw your most recent pillar on LinkedIn, I was like, gosh, darn it, why didn't I think of that? So talk about influencers voiced over, because that is a brilliant freaking pillar that we should all be jealous of that we didn't think of at first. Well, I mean, I'd say everybody's welcome to go for it. I mean, much as I'm probably, uh, you know, you know, sabotaging myself by encouraging people to do that. But <laughs> I, I also have to be completely honest in terms of this is th- this all comes from the basis of there's nothing that we're doing is completely original. So I've been aware of I looked at, you know, I looked at creators on a whole variety of different kind of like platforms and basically copied what they did at various different times and tried things on for size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got, you know, creators like Tawny Plattis, for example, um, who posts a lot of stuff on TikTok and on Instagram, where she also has a big following, which was about the corporate verse. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, this is all this kind of like inspiration. What I did with this kind of like LinkedIn influencer stuff, which is literally taking a LinkedIn post um, from an influencer, quote unquote, a LinkedIn influencer. Uh, and then literally I'm just... Uh, I'm just doing a voiceover job on it. But uh, generally, the the more interesting it is, is if you send it up in some way. So, you know, if that you, you so that it's not me attempting to do a good, like proper traditional job on it, but kind of varying the kind of style on it. And I think that's partly because uh, people on social media who use particular platforms like to talk about those platforms uh, a lot. Yep. Uh, so it keys in yep. to that as well. And I think the algorithm also, ooh, you're talking about LinkedIn. Oh, we like you. Oh, this yes. This is great. Yes. This keeps the conversation and the engagement going. So we're going to help boost you even more. Uh, but it's also to do with that thing about trying to create a bit of a community, dare I say it, um, in terms of half of the battle uh, with certainly LinkedIn. And I think with all of these social media to a degree is that it's not just about pumping out the content. It's about the engagement and the conversations afterwards that you do. Um, so it was kind of like a two-way thing in terms of like people, you, you create that kind of comment-worthy, water-cooler uh, type of content that people yep. want to discuss about. And, oh, who, this is hilarious. And the, and the nice thing about it is, is that people then suggest, oh, you should do that person. You should do that person. You should do that person. And so what now is happening is that a lot of people are being suggested and they're kind of... They're kind of mid-level creators, if that makes any sense. Sure. They're people who, um, if I post about them, will likely respond. Yep. Because they'll see the notifications. They've not got some small child in a corner doing all of that for them. They're actually, so they'll go, they'll take it a bit more kind of like personally, hopefully well. But for off the back of that, it means that you then kind of piggyback off their audience. Yep. So if they've got 20 or 30 or 40,000 followers and then they repost it, then they will see what you're doing uh, and they see that you're using your voice and you're kind of riffing off the fact that you're a kind of a voice actor as a result. And so it's a different way of being able to, you're demonstrating your skills. Still, 
but you're dealing with subject matter that they're familiar with, the whole kind of LinkedIn universe that they're familiar with and that they're very much embedded and invested in as well. I think this opportunity of finding collaboration, I mean, that just makes so much sense, right? Rather than trying to build it all from the ground up yourself, who are people that you can collaborate with that can help you do that? So when you're doing this, I'm curious, are you reaching out to these people ahead of time and saying, hey, here's what I want to do with your post? Or are you just doing it and tagging them? And it's like, surprise, look what I did with your post. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first one, uh, the first one was uh, to a huge influencer who I know would never pay attention to it. So that was the safe one. And that was also pretty much straight down the line. I, I, I it was just kind of like, just saying these words out loud, I think is amusing. Because you be kind of, I think there's a reputation of kind of, oh, a LinkedIn influencer, people on LinkedIn. Oh, we all talk about our inspiring journeys and all of that kind of thing. It's very easy yep. to, to take the piss out of. And so I was just, I'm not going to add anything to this because I don't think anything needs to be added to it for you to go, oh, my word, a bit. But yep. then now I'm being a bit more kind of tactical. But I re- only if I wanted to if I wanted to go bold on something. But I thought I could this could end in a kind of car crash if this is taken wrong. Then I would. Yeah. Then I would kind of reach out to someone and go, by the way, there's this piece of content that I want to potentially kind of like post. How do you feel about it? If you if you're like no way in hell, then it it won't go right. out there. But but uh, because I don't want to think I, I don't want to say that you need to doing lots of risk taking in order to be good at the content game. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that um, as part of the content game, how do you stand out? You've got to find a way to do that. Yeah. Uh, you've got to find a way to pe- for people to stop the scroll. And I, I can only speak about my own experience, and I apologize if people kind of like take offense for, from it, but I was just very aware, certainly from a voiceover perspective, and I know that I've done it myself, it's kind of like when I see other voice actors generally post on most platforms, it's like, here's something I've just done. Yeah. Here's a portfolio share. And it's yep. like, that's fine. That's valid. As a content pillar, that has its place. You need to remind people of what you do. And, you know, maybe who you do it with in terms of if you're an external studio or if you do have a studio cat or dog or whatever other pet you might have, that's great. That adds kind of personality. But you've got to look at opportunities to kind of like stand out in some kind of way. And I thought this was this was my way of being able to kind of like double down on that and create a bit of a, a niche for myself as a result. So, I mean, for me on the outside looking in, it, it appears like it's gone very well and, and the response has been really positive up to this point Mm. have you had any creators who have called you out for it or has everybody kind of got on board and like oh my gosh this is cool look what this guy did with my stuff uh, at the moment, it's all been positive. So you can kind of Good. timestamp this. And then when I'm cancelled next week, you'll be like, <laughs> well, I think we've all learned a lesson there about Chris. Uh, you know, uh, one small burst too many. Um, but but no, I mean, it's so far, it's all been really, really positive and taken in the right way. Good. And I think it's as long as you are aware, you, you have to be aware and canny. Like there's always going to be people who take offense on the Internet about certain things. So you need to be you need to be very kind of like keyed in uh, and feel about where your comfort level is. But even if it is just kind of like uh, I mean, before before I was doing this whole LinkedIn influencer thing, I was still bringing over the storytelling, more storytelling content over. 
Uh, and, the, you know, there are uh, there are other voiceover artists out there who are, you know, doing crazy kind of funny skits and sketches and that kind of thing or ri- or riffs on certain things. It doesn't certainly doesn't need to be targeted at one particular kind of like person. Yep. But it's just something that isn't the usual that I think, but still showcases what it is that you bring, which is, you know, your capacity as a storyteller um, that, that I think that's where the value can potentially lie. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your posting schedule. I know you said before that you built your TikTok doing three times a week consistently. What does it look yep. like now? Is it still three times a week on TikTok? And mm, how much are you no, posting it's... on LinkedIn? And how's that How's that look over a, a work week? Or, you know, do you post on weekends, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, no, definitely. So this has been a lot of A and B testing, as the kid, as the cool kids would say in marketing. Um, it has, it's now five a day on both plat uh, not five a day that would be hilarious sorry five a week uh, five on a both week. Pl- okay five a day yeah five a day uh yeah you got way more ideas than i do man it's absolutely fine <laughs> yeah it's okay um uh and i'm still shell-shocked by it um no so it's five a week at the moment now but i but you don't need to you don't need to um but uh i'm at a stage now where i can and now i'm getting to a point where i think my audience kind of expects yep but I would also add is that I'm not working alone, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm not just talking about Honey, my studio cat either. So um, about nine months ago, I hired a social media manager uh, and they were a lot about testing things, about having someone as a sounding board who doesn't come from a uh, voiceover artist background, but comes from very much a kind of a social media marketing video production kind of background. So it has a slightly more of an outside perspective in. So someone who I could use to kind of like bounce ideas yep. off before I actually tried things. And they, what they also do is they essentially ghostwrite uh, a couple of bits of content for me. And then what they do is they send that through to me. I will make adjustments. I, I will make personalizations and all of that kind of thing. But it stops a lot of the heavy, uh, of the heavy lifting. This is just for LinkedIn. Um, and uh, between two and three bits of my five bits of content on LinkedIn in one given week are not written by me. They go through me and. <laughs> Yeah, it's just chat GPT, essentially. <laughs> uh, no, thankfully it's not. Um, but but that but in terms of creating that variety, rather than just doing, I'm just doing one thing every single time. And in terms of, you know, being able to pose the right questions, things that I, someone who's working inside my business, might seem completely unaware of in terms of the most basic kind of questions that m- people might have about our jobs, because the vast majority of people don't really know what it is that we do, or only assume that we're doing commercial projects, uh, you know, uh, and that and that's all that we're doing. So in terms of making it more accessible educational content, that's what they bring to the mix. And then I kind of filter it through and kind of the stuff that I create augments it. On TikTok, I'm creating all of those because it's a, it's a video of me yeah. at the end of the day. So I have to, I have to be coming up with that kind of stuff. But even then, I, what I've done is like, I ask the audience to come up with suggestions and ideas. Sure. So rather than me being reliant on finding the speeches or finding the materials and transcribing it and then you know, all of that kind of stuff, I'm getting people to suggest it via a specific kind of like email so that I can just kind of literally go through, find what I want to work on and then just do it and say thanks to, uh, you know, this person or this person or this person. And it becomes more reciprocal. So it becomes more engaged. So more people comment and there are more views. It's definitely nice when you have the platform that you can do that. I mean, look, 
podcast episodes, YouTube videos, half the content that I'm creating from social media is coming from questions that voice actors are asking me on a regular yeah. basis. And I'm able to, to leverage yeah. that network to help me come up with ideas. And so it's nice when you've got an audience that you've got that, that will give you that kind of feedback and help kind of guide you in what they want to see or what might be a good idea. Now, when you say you're posting five days a week, I, I, want, clar- I want to clarify this. Are you doing five unique posts to TikTok, five unique posts to LinkedIn, or is there some crossover like I created a video on for TikTok, but I shared it. That was my one day of content on LinkedIn. Like, are we talking 10 pieces a week or? No, no, I'd I'd say probably more between myself and my social media manager, probably more about eight. Okay. Um, So I would say maybe I bring over one or two pieces of TikTok content per week over to LinkedIn as well. Uh, I don't think it really works trying to bring LinkedIn stuff, which is mainly text-based and picture-based, over to TikTok. That just ain't going to work on that platform in that kind of way. I don't think that audience is there. So uh, so that's what I uh, I generally do. And then obviously I will re- repurpose and repackage to a degree. So I'll always have some kind of like text or some point about business or being an entrepreneur or whatever that I can relate back to the video that I'm sharing yep. so that it's not just like, here's another video of me doing my thing. Yep. Well, on a great, you know, that, that kind of thing. So there's some kind of like tenuous relationship that people can kind of like bring back, but I'm not just saturating it with that one thing. It's always kind of like a bit of a variety. And now obviously this whole kind of LinkedIn influencer voiced over thing, I'm not going to be pumping out one of those every day either, but like one or two a week, again, as part of, you know, a different thing that I can kind of lean into that that's fine. That doesn't seem so overwhelming yeah. to me as a result. But then I've got the consistent thing about like I'm, you know, there's a specific time when I post and there's also a specific time where I engage on LinkedIn. So I spend probably about an hour a day just engaging on the platform. Let's talk about posting because that brings up another interesting point. Did I'm assuming because knowing you and knowing how you work, you've, you've A-B tested this a little bit too. Have oh, you yeah. found like... There's a better time of the day or, you know, certain, you know, morning, afternoon, evening or 10 o'clock or. I know that in terms of for me, what works for me working uh, in GMT, London, UK, uh, is that, you know, I post around about 7, 7.30 in the morning because there are a lot of morning people who go on to LinkedIn before they get on to do their actual real work and kind of business. So that includes a lot of video producers and heads of production and social media managers and that kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of informed my decision, and that seems to be where I get best engagement. Okay. However, I'm aware that there are that there will be the odd times where I might do an afternoon post, maybe one or one post a week will either go in an afternoon or at a weekend, because at a weekend there's a lots of people who are active on LinkedIn all of the time, even at weekends. So, in actual fact, it can do really well there if it lands with the right, you know, it, with the right tone. And and there's also that thing about like, you know, we've got a worldwide audience potentially. Yep. We've got worldwide client base. So for the people in the States posting in the afternoon or in the evening, they get to see that first. Yep. Um, and so therefore, I will normally do maybe like one of those morning posts might swap to an evening post. And yeah, I'm continuing. Uh, I'm continuing to, to kind of like trial it a little bit, but do it all lightly. So, you know, what happens if you do a Monday evening post as opposed to a Friday evening post? Uh, Spoilers, if you do a Friday evening post, most people are busy either with their families or getting drunk or something else. You know, (laughs) hopefully they're not on social media. They probably But the right video while they're drinking on a Friday night could just be the exact thing that hits, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, no, exactly. No, exactly. So, uh, and I think, you know, I mean, with the the LinkedIn influencers thing, you know, I, I deliberately decided I, that's a kind of a Saturday yeah. kind of thing. Those, though, because because that's talking to people who are very active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Therefore, I thought an audience who are already on LinkedIn on a Saturday these are, will these probably are people respond who are the most to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they already kind of are a bit self aware that you know I'm a user. And I'm desperately trying to control my habit, but I'm still on this platform. So having, you know, sharing a joke about the platform and the people on the platform probably had a little bit more mileage there. So and that and that has kind of like triggered in terms of like following and in terms of what the average level of engagement on my post is. Since I started doing that, it's kind of doubled. Wow. And it has been kind of like, oh, OK. It used to be like between 15 and 20 likes per post. And now it's between 40 and 50. Wow. And it's not just about the numbers. I know it's not just about the numbers, but the more people that engage about it, the more people that the more end reach up you're going to get, it. right? So I mean, to a degree, the, the, it is about numbers, you know, to, yeah. to a degree. So I, I want to talk a little bit about workflow, and I know you're working with the social media manager, and I, I do want to get yeah. into that. But I'm curious, yeah, sure. As you're creating all of this content, do you like? Is it like Monday's content day, and I'm batching out my content for the week? Are you creating on the fly? Is there a level of it that's prepared ahead, and some of it that's created on the fly? It's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of that split. It's like in an ideal world, obviously, of course, you know, it's all kind of like batch created and I'm just kind of pressing post yep. uh, or someone is doing that for me and it's all kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Because if you are on the hop, but then you do get that last minute job that's booked, you've got to go with the last minute job that's booked. Yep. And then you get worried about like, oh, but what about my brilliant posting schedule? Yep. Oh, it's gone now and I'm screwed and it's all it's all meaningless and over and I've screwed it. Um, so, so a bit of both, I do try and batch content when possible, but that's why having a social media manager is great because it's like, if like it goes crazy work-wise, I know as a minimum, I've got three bits of content that they will create and post on my behalf. Yeah. So that, that's a spine of something on LinkedIn anyway, that's a spine of something, which means that I'll never go away for better or worse. Ha 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 ha. I'll never go away on that platform. So for example, I was on holiday two weeks ago, uh, for like five days, you wouldn't have been aware of it right. on LinkedIn, uh, at all, because I, first of all, I didn't draw attention to it because I couldn't be bothered to, but also, um, because those posts were still, you know, prepared in advance with the kind of more video orientated stuff, as I'm sure you're aware as well, when you trying to batch content, create that kind of stuff is useful when you can do it from like doing my own YouTube content as well. I mean, if you can like do all of your recording in one go and then all of your editing in one go, rather than hopping between the two, it's yep. going to be a lot quicker, definitely. And again, having an audience that kind of suggests lots of speeches to me is uh, really useful um, because if I because then it means that I can do three or four or five in one in one go rather than like do it once a day or whatever. Um, so that's so that's kind of like the balancing act there. But yeah, I, I would love to say I'm super organized, but I'm not. So sometimes I might, you know, I'll come across something and I'll go, I need to make that now. But it's really I need important. To make that now. It's important for people to hear this, right? Because I think that's one of the misconceptions is if I'm going to be a content creator, I'm going to post consistently or whatever. Oh, I don't have time to batch out content or I don't have time to plan it in advance. And here's a guy with 100,000 followers on TikTok saying, hey, sometimes I'm flying by the seat of my pants and and, oh, yeah. and that's no, okay and, and it gets the job done. Now, are you scheduling or are you posting everything live every day or are you using a scheduling tool like a, a post planner or Hootsuite or something like sure. that and loading uh, stuff I'm up and pushing it out? 
No, I'm not using a scheduling tool, but my social media manager does. Okay. So, so, and also on LinkedIn now, what you can do is you can natively schedule within the app. Yep. So you can nice. like go That's to post, nice and then it, uh, and that is whereas there are arguments, always arguments about whether or not using a scheduling app dinks you in some way, and on certain platforms, I think it definitely oh, yeah. does. Yep. Uh, with LinkedIn using the native scheduler, which is a bit archaic, but you can use it. And then you you like that that's kind of in the chamber ready to go. Yep. But it's also then like if something happens in the world and it's not appropriate that you post your ha 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 thing, I can pull it. Yeah. Uh, at any time, you know, I can go. No, that's that, that's that's not day. what the world needs. You know, yep. needs needs right now. Yep. So that's an important kind of element of that kind of like balancing thing. Um. Uh, but yeah, I have my idea of what my times are. I tie that into well, I'll, that's when I'll do my engagement as well. So my whole idea on LinkedIn is that if I post at seven thirty, I'll be online from seven to eight, and that's partly because the LinkedIn algorithm likes to show that you're active, mm-hmm. likes to see that you're active before you post yep. as well as after you post. Yep. It kind of so if you're commenting and posting on other people's content, and then halfway through, oh, and that's my post going up, and I'm still commenting and posting on other people's content, but now people are starting to engage with mine as well. Then it gains a bit more kind of momentum, yep. and you get reciprocal relationships. Oh, you continue to engage with my content, then I'm going to make more of an effort to engage in yours. Yeah, and I think that's a really like, big like, important part of it too, right? Is it's not just being somebody who's sharing, but being somebody who's consistently engaging. So let's talk about working with the social media manager, because I think this is something yeah. that may appeal to some some people, might intimidate them as well. Uh, first and sure. foremost, you know, everybody's going to be like, I can't afford to hire a social media manager. What are we talking? Five, 10, 20 hours a week? How, how many hours a week are you? Uh, uh, they, I mean, they no, they didn't do that much for me. Uh, but Full-time I, I, I employee mean, with benefits and pension yeah. and... Yeah, exactly. No, it's fine. They've got more of the pension than I do. Uh, no, so I mean, uh, it's I don't know exactly how many hours my social man- uh, media manager does. Maybe I should check. But our contract is essentially it's one hundred and twenty-five pounds per week. Okay. So that's what I'm paying yep. for three posts. But also, what I also do is like they're doing connection requests for me. Okay. They're also like taking my best acting. Um, my best acting post on LinkedIn for a week, and they're putting it on my blog um, to help my SEO on my website, which is the other kind of rule that I think about this thing, which is like when I went into the, like I want to take content creation seriously, I thought if this all goes completely tits up, and it was all such a terrible waste of time. I need to find a way of making sure that it's not. Yeah. So I was like, as a bare minimum, if no one engages and I get no kind of like job opportunities from all this content creation, let it serve my SEO and let me be practicing as an actor. Yep. <laughs> and that's and that's what it's come from. Yep. So it's kind of finding all of those kind of opportunities to go. Can I? Can this serve another purpose beyond? maybe getting me some in line, you know, making me top of mind. So like all of my content stuff ends up being stuff material for my follow-up emails for my cold email campaigns as well. Um, it, it is a whole kind of thing. But but yeah, in terms of it's £125 per month, uh, sorry, per, per week for my social media manager. And it's usually between two and three pieces of content uh, per week. And I usually get that a week in advance so I can vet it. Uh, and then on top of that, they also do connection requests on my behalf. Uh, So I give them a template and say, 
this is what I would like you to personalize. Yep. And I think you can ask for about 100 connection uh, requests organically per week. So I ask for that. So 20 per day. Uh, and, you know, I've got my lead list kind of like these are the people that I would like to connect with. I want to be building my um, network on LinkedIn intentionally. Whereas on TikTok, it's like whoever follows whoever me, follows, whoever yep. follows me. Yep. It's, 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 TikTok's not a reciprocal platform in the same way. Um, you know, it's not like, oh, well, if we keep engaging on each other's kind of content and all of this kind of stuff, uh, there'll be a, gradu uh, a gradual groundswell. With TikTok, it's obviously every post could go viral or you could get, or you could get zero views. That's yep. the kind of the risk reward that the platform currently kind of thrives on. Yep. So it's much more on whether or not at that given time you, that piece of content suddenly has wings or not. Um, so that that so I don't really use a I don't use a social media manager for that. But my social media manager also repurposes a lot of my content that's for LinkedIn onto Instagram, so that I'm still, still active, active there. there. Okay. So if there are people that, you know, only use Instagram, don't on, on LinkedIn, aren't on, you know, aren't on TikTok, I'm still present, yep. you know, in some way, shape or form. I'm still posting the occasional video. I'm still posting the occasional picture with a blog underneath it. Um, so they they allow me to still be active in some form on the main social media platforms that I've kind of like identified as being important to me. Let's talk a little bit about workflow. Are we talking like, you know, we have a Monday morning planning strategy meeting for brainstorming ideas and plotting out what stuff looks like or vetting content that's already been created like what well, what is the workflow yeah all all of the all of the notepads everything all of the time so i kind of i do my whole thing of like i've got the app that i use is notion uh, or there's Evernote or there's whatever. And I, you know, as and when these ideas kind of like pop into into my mind, I'll obviously write them down. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm very much of the, I think it's the David Allen book, Getting Things Done. If people haven't read it, then they should read it in terms of just trying to unpack the craziness of a freelance lifestyle. So his first thing is about kind of like collecting all of the different random pieces or ideas or half ideas that you have, putting them in one kind of place, and then you review them and then you prioritize them. Yep. So as soon as I've got all of those random ideas in, then I go like, what's the important thing? What's that one big thing that I need to get done? And then, you know, make a kind of sequential list. And then I'll go, in terms of content creation, that's an exciting thing. That, that you know, to create that seems like a, an exciting or a pertinent thing and making sure that there's variety in that. You don't want to be, or it, for example, like one of the content pillars, uh, again, that I'd say is like hero content. What, what do I mean by hero content? It's either this is this cool job that I've done, yep. aren't I a hero implicitly? Or it's my uh, or it's my battle against adversity, like, you know, yep. thing about like, you know, a voiceover agent wouldn't touch me for eight years. Look at me now. Yep. <laughs> or whatever. Yep. Those kind of things about like, oh, yeah, Chris had a bad time, but he managed to see it through and look at him now. Yep. You know, in which case that's a very t particular type of content. Don't do that back to back. Because then that looks like bragging. Yep. It, it looks like, oh, my God, every day Chris is picking himself up and he's just showing them all. You know, the, uh, people get tired of that narrative. It starts to create so a victim gotta, narrative too, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, despite all of your adversity, Chris, oh, tell me more about it, you white middle class male. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, the world's smallest violin. Uh, tell me how tough it was for you. So you've got to keep that in check. But people like to hear it yep. because that's aspirational. It can be inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. 
Or at least people go like, how the hell did he manage to do it? Because <laughs> I'm better than him. So there's got to be a way. Surely life is, isn't that unfair. So, so there is that. But then you mix that in with more kind of like if it's something to do with mental health, if it's something to do with your wider network, if it's something to do with like, here's a case study. You know, um, because I think this is just because one thing works. Obviously, you've got to lean into that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you need people to be aware of what you do and how you can how you can benefit them in some way, shape or form. So dropping in the whole like the case study of, by the way, this is how you work with me or this is how I turned a PowerPoint presentation into an explainer video for one client or this is how I would be able to do your voice, uh, you know, your phone system or whatever. You know, all of those different things. Or if you want to talk about AI, uh, AI let's talk about AI. Yep. I mean... Valid from a voiceover perspective, but even more valid if you package it in such a way where you're talking to video producers who are also seeing themselves that they're going to be replaced by AI. That's a very interesting conversation to have rather than keeping it purely, you know, in and a wider, a wider conversation about like, aren't we all, is there any original content anymore? And, you know, aren't we all, you know, products of what we've imbibed? How is that different to a computer kind of mining the internet for lots of stuff. It's very different. But anyway, you, you, you know, th- those are it. Uh, that's, a, that's a very different kind of content thing to go off on. And it's not like any of this needs to be particularly substantial or profound. It's just finding, riff, uh, you know, riffs on which to kind of go on that might interest you. Yep. That's all. From a social media manager standpoint, you, you said that they're helping you by creating some content. They do some scheduling for you. Do they have access to your accounts? Do you, did you have to hand over the passwords? Uh, not the passwords. I mean, things like LastPass, you know, uh, are marketable for a reason, although there are always issues with them as well. But, I mean, there's a certain aspect of like, yeah, if you, you, you're going to see what's in my work inbox, yep. providing it works, uh, you know, uh, or, or whatever. So you need to have that level of trust, as with any element of outsourcing of your business. You know, I'm... I'm currently in the process as well of outsourcing a lot of my email marketing because a lot of this content creation means that I don't have enough time to reach out to the number of people that I built my business on yep. consistently. And it, But I'm also in that point where it's kind of like I was getting to a point with email marketing, having done it for four or five years, where I was kind of exhausted and fatigued and also had the opportunity to go like I've done the hard yards and I've got a bit of room now to be able to experiment and so now I'm thinking right I don't want this to just go away and dissipate I'll happily hire someone to do that aspect of it so that I can do the more kind of creative stuff and hopefully that creative stuff can then feed in and make the email cold outreach stuff better yeah uh, as a result but my social media manager will also come with me with a monthly report uh, saying this is the content that did well this is the content that didn't go so well. This is where the engagement went up, what worked, what didn't, times of the week, you know, that seemed to kind of like work so that we can make informed decisions. And because I've been kind of posting relatively consistently for about nine months, almost 12 months now, actually, to be honest, on LinkedIn, I can go back and I can start repurposing content. Uh, I can I, like I, you can use apps like Shield or whatever, and you can literally sort all of your posts for the last year by their engagement levels. Yep. So maybe there's a post back in March of 2022, which I could very easily repurpose, yep. which most people won't have seen. Yep. Because I'll be honest, Absolutely. the vast majority of the content goes one ear and out the other. Even if you enjoy it, you laugh at it or you cry at it or whatever for yep. about 24 hours max. And then it's like, what was that? 
I don't know. I can't remember. Well, and, uh, it, you know, and we, some of the themes and some of the pillars that you talk about, they're, they're evergreen anyway, right? And so it's like, yeah. you're, you're never going to go wrong by revisiting a motivational story or an inspirational story or, you know, like a, yeah. a really valuable piece of information or whatever. Bringing that back six months down the road, it's not like it's not useful anymore, right? So... Yeah, exactly. It's still it's still just as it's still just as resonant. You can give it a different caption or you can give it a different headline or whatever. Yep. But you know, no one's gonna no one is gonna go like, Oh my god, you posted this six months ago. What the hell are you doing? I mean that's that's absolutely valid. What what I'm curious about, because I think this is a really good point to, to have to ask this question, because you, you talked mm. about how you are going through the data. You're looking at what works, what doesn't. You know, this one hit really well. This one didn't. This one got really good engagement. This one didn't. I think one of the things that holds a lot of voice actors back from content creation is this fear of, you know, if it's not the perfect piece of content, right? I, I got to have the the video's got to be absolutely perfect and the lighting's got to be perfect and the editing's got to be perfect and the background's and blah, 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 on and on and on, right? My guess is on your journey, you've posted some stuff that just fell flat, that just didn't hit. And as near as I could tell, nothing tragic has happened to you. You still seem to be doing just fine. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think there is a fear of if it's not perfect, like bad things are going to happen. And I, I just don't think that's the case. I mean, I don't, I mean, in all honesty, nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So it's, so I I mean, that's what kind of like took the pressure off me to a degree. Uh, In the end was just like, no, if if it falls flat or even if it's really successful, it's so short lived that, that, and you do have to have an element of some form of consistency. You know, someone can have a post that goes really big and maybe you get something from it and maybe you don't, that kind of thing. But if you're not following that up with other stuff, eventually you'll fall off the map. And what's the whole point of this at the end of the day is to be top of mind. Yep. That's that. That's it. It's That's literally it. Yep. It's just, just be top of mind. It's kind of like it's, some bits of content will be better than others, but as long as you're coming at it from you know, the right place with the right aims, uh, generally speaking, um, then that that's all that the job it, it, it entails. It doesn't matter so much how hilarious people find it or how moving people find it. Obviously, that helps to a degree. But, I mean, it's just about getting started. And by getting started, just like with those analytics, that will tell you, first of all, whether or not you can do it consistently because if you can't that's absolutely fine focus on other things that you can do Mm -hmm. and ignore everything else that i've subsequently said but if you can do it and you start to find like oh no it's this thing that seems to really kind of like land with someone okay great then you can refine it and make it better you know like our demos like our websites like our cold emails it's kind of like None of our first cold emails are ever the perfect Ooh. cold email. <laughs> no, I opposite. sent some stinkers for sure. Yeah, exactly. Someone responded to one from like seven years ago, that, and I was like, oh my God, like, bloody hell. Well done for responding. Well done for not also using swear words uh, in that response. Um, uh, so, but you only know by, by the practice of actually doing it. Uh, and that's what I find. And the fact that, you know, if those if you do have a, a, a post that, quote unquote, tanks, no one's going to remember about uh, about it. No yep. one's going to really care except you and your vanity. Yep. And that's a kind of like a real thing. So there you go. Move on. Well, Chris, this has been absolutely amazing. I, I, I think that you've dropped some seriously golden nuggets in here for people who are trying to do this because 
there is value in content creation. There is value in keeping yourself top of mind so that when somebody needs a voice actor, you know, your name is the one they're thinking of because you're the one that's in their face consistently. There is value in doing all of this consistently as well. So thank you for all of the amazing tips that you've shared. Now, if somebody wants to connect with you, maybe see some of these monologues on TikTok or, you know, see the the voiceover uh, or the influencers voiced over or whatever, how do we find you online? Yeah, sure. So um, on LinkedIn, I'm just Christopher Tester. Uh, and then uh, my username for almost all social media is Chris Naturally RP. Uh, so that's my kind of like tagline. And that's for TikTok, uh, for LinkedIn, for Instagram, the, all, all of the good stuff. Right on. All right, man, we'll uh, we'll include that in the show notes so that everybody can find and, and follow if they want. Now, thank you. Uh, one final question. As you've been on this journey, and, and trying to figure out social media, trying to figure out content, all of this sort of stuff. Is there one resource, a, a podcast that you listen to, a, an influencer that you follow, a book that you read? Is there, there one thing that was like, check this out, it'll help you? Well, obviously, the playbook, Mark, is <laughs> going to be my first. Oh, man. What, I think you told me to, to pay say for a just pitch before we're the, recording. Yeah, uh, no, obviously. But uh, uh, my biggest thing, uh, I think, it, with content creation in mind, is literally is literally looking at the other creators out there and the ones that excite you yep. and seeing like f- those ones that maybe you're like I I think I could do that like literally copy them and do it yep. for a bit and see yep. see how it feels and then kind of like and just by the fact of you doing it you'll start to kind of like put your own riff on it and you'll fi- fi- you'll see if there's a real kind of like fit to it or not so I think that would be the biggest thing is that is that actually kind of like looking at those other creators what other kind of voiceover artists are doing but also what people who aren't voiceover artists are doing as well that really excite you and I think looking at them and seeing how they kind of like experiment over time that's probably the most interesting thing to keep a track of don't overthink it just do the thing yeah basically all right man this is awesome thank you so much for your time i'm so grateful for all the wisdom that you shared thank you thank you mom there were so many nuggets of wisdom so many truth bombs if you will that were dropped in that interview but a a couple of the key takeaways for me i mean exactly how he ended it don't overthink it and just do the thing not every piece of content that you create is going to go viral Not every piece of content that you create is going to generate engagement, but every piece of content that you create brings you closer to the piece that will. Every piece becomes practice. It's it's getting in your reps, just like going into the studio and submitting auditions every single day. You don't book every audition, but you don't stop auditioning just because you're not booking. Well, not every piece of social media content is going to be your best piece of social media content, but you don't just stop posting content because of that. So continuing to do the thing I think is really important. Paying attention to where your buyers are and where your buyers are who are making buying decisions. And then, of course, consistency. Consistency is the key to all of this. If you are going to crush it in the social media space, you are going to have to be consistent and not consistent for a short period of time, but consistent over a long period of time. I really do hope you enjoyed this interview and that you took away some golden nuggets from it. If you did, why don't you share one of the things that you learned in your Instagram stories and then tag me and tag Christopher at Mark Scott and tag Chris at Chris Naturally RP. And I'll put those in the show notes so you can easily find them as well. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. 
Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceSam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicezam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more VOPreneur goodness? Jump online at VOPreneur.com.